Why does the person in the text line have to say I'm coming off like a chode today? <laughs> what did you do? What did you do? I don't remember. Do you guys think that, Nick? Do you I feel think, that way? I think. Do you feel that way? You coming back from break with Same that question man. is like the chodiest thing <laughs> you could do. There's some. I don't know what you've done. There's multiple Excellent. people. Not happened to me. Someone today. says the full moon affecting Cody. Wait, is that a thing? You, you sound. No, I will say this. Out? You're sounding very complainy today, and you're sounding oh. very whiny today. Okay, you know what? Let's be happy the rest of the way. We got three hours. Are you just we talking three about three solutions? I mean, you you were you were whiny about Kadarius Tony. You were whiny about Lamar Jackson. You were whiny about running backs. Huh. I'm not even. I don't even care. But that's just that's just kind of how it felt. I think I was realistic about Kadarius Tony <laughs> helping Lamar Jackson and and whiny about running. This backs. is part of the problem. <laughs> Is it the self-awareness part? <laughs> Is that the problem? Being able to recognize what you're doing. Mm, okay. That's a good point. Uh, you can interact with us on the text line, 913-586-7610. That's the Jay Southland So Service text line. We'll get to the Big 12 and SEC tournament, both underway. Big 12 tournament uh, tonight, I should say. And all three local schools going to be in action over the next couple of days and some movement seating. We'll take a look at that. Also, some of the odds uh, to win the Big 12 at SEC tournament and how we see that playing out starting tonight at T-Mobile Center. Before we do that, though, why not just continue to... We'll, we'll see if you upset anybody this go-around, but we'll, we'll see if we can continue going forward. This conversation is probably not going to help and, me because it is generally saying, who are you ready to cut in a year? I was surprised. <laughs> Cody wants to look ahead. He, he wants to look past this offseason. I want to look towards this draft. And he wants draft to look at 2024 As it relates to that offseason. Uh, we haven't even got... We haven't even started the official league year, but you want to you look to next year already because you're already a little concerned maybe about a couple players? No, I, it wasn't even the concern. It was just... We know that Brett Veach has adopted the John Dorsey model, which has been this year's draft is going to be about replacing players a year away, right? So who are those players going to be? Like, it's not even about this year's offseason. It's about how they're going to handle the draft, which is in 50 days. How are they going to handle the draft in Kansas City as it relates to the players they are ready to move forward with? And I thought that there were two that really stood out to me because we know the players they're trying to replace this year. Might be looking for a wide receiver, might be looking for an offensive tackle, might be looking for a defensive end. But as it goes into next year, there's two two positions I think they're going to draft thinking about replacing them for the following year. Those are Willie Gay and Joe Tooney. I think Joe Tooney's number, the higher it gets, the more they're like, God, I mean, you know, we just talked about Pancrete Humphrey, or they're going to pay a left tackle, we think, somewhere, or or a right tackle. They They talk about, you know, Trey Smith, like he's the most athletic guy on the entire line. That kind of leaves you with Joe Tooney. Feels like left guard draft is around the corner here in 50 days. And I feel like Willie Gay, because of the conversation with Nick Bolton, you can buy yourself a little bit, you can buy yourself an extra year deciding what's the number you want to go with Nick Bolton if you're thinking long-term with Nick Bolton. And that means this year you have to draft another linebacker that is the eventual Willie Gay replacement. It's definitely possible. I think some of the, the number for Willie Gay would be fascinating to think about a year you know, further down the road based on the type of season that he may or may not have. Like, what would that even look like? Because it's not going to be a top, I don't think it'd be a top end type of linebacker deal. We just got done discussing uh, in a few years, Nick Bolton, he might be more in that top end linebacker type of category based off of how he can tell me the guy the was tackle numbers top, and all those things, you know, one yeah. of the top tacklers in, in all of, of football uh, on defense this, this year, certainly with with linebackers. And we'll, we'll see if he can even elevate his game more from there. So, I, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. I don't think they're spending you know, their first or second round pick on a linebacker. They've spent two second um, round picks on linebackers before. But but, but exactly. I, I don't think this is the year that they would they do would it do again. That. 
Now, offensive linemen, I think that's on the table for the first round, for the second round, or for guard the third included. round. Absolutely. And, and guard, just in general, is easier to replace. Now, Joe Tooney's an all-pro and is one of the better guards we've seen play this game. Yeah, but... but, but so, I, I, so I think guard position, though, in those middle rounds, second, third, fourth, that's somebody that you're... It's a lot easier to find that and, and have a year yeah. of development and, and set that up uh, for the next year. It's like we've talked about so many of the positions you can't just find in, like, the third or fourth round where it's more of, like, the miracle, like, left tackle or quarterback. Guard? Ah, no, you find those. You find all-pro, uh, pro bowl caliber, starting left guards in rounds three through six all the time, like just constantly. Now, look, they went out and paid big money for two. Let's not, you know, it was, yeah, of course, but originally Tony was guy. a third round pick, right? Trey Smith, but they still the felt the need. They needed that was after the Super Bowl, of course, and the loss of the Bucks, and they needed a quick rebuild of the offensive line. And boy, did they ever. And, and there wasn't a left tackle to pay at that time. So it was like, who do we pay to make this offensive line better? We will pay this one guy because everyone else they weren't paying. It's not a big deal to pay your left guard when you're not paying anyone else in the offensive line. I understand that Orlando Brown Jr. had a you know an $18 million cap hit due to the franchise tag last year, but that's still not very much for a left tackle, and they weren't paying that much in general price-wise. They were paying two rookie or three rookies outside of that. So it never felt – or two rookies and – I mean, whatever. Going, going back to $3 million our, in Wiley? Going back to our conversation in the Knicks little notes, though, like couldn't – Tooney's because of the number, right? The salary Yeah, number. the number. But just purely the number. We were just talking about other guards and everything. Like, what? Why wouldn't you just say our guy Creed Humphrey? Why wouldn't they not? We all think. Why gonna, wouldn't they why, just draft a center, thinking I, about his I, eventual? I, this would we, be the year we, if they were going to do we, it. We, yeah. all, we all said that Creed Humphrey is already number. You know, but not the best right number two center in football, and a contract for Creed Humphrey is only going to cost you, uh, in the grand scheme of things, what. 13 million to 14 million a year. Yeah, if but it, that, if that is, and, and so that's why you probably do it. But if you're looking at, if we're talking this, this conversation about drafting years in advance, would, would they not draft I, another one? I think center might be literally the only position on a field that they don't draft to replace for the following year. Like okay. even Isaiah Pacheco, right? They drafted running back. I've, I mean, I, I can't think of an example, but like, does any team draft like a center to replace the next center? Or they just wait till that center is gone and then draft one. Like, I don't know that like that might be honest to God. Maybe the only position on the entire field that you don't draft a replacement for. They're just your center until they're not, and then you draft a center again or sign up for an agent center or whatever. Keep, I don't think they'll be able to keep Trey Smith and Creed Humphrey and whoever the next long-term left tackle is, pay him what he's going to no, think No, I think that they're going to have to decide between Trey Smith and Creed Humphrey. Again, this is next year's but problem, are, by the way. But the good news is, this year yeah, and those are two positions that, but, like, if you're going to draft that guy, you draft a left guard replacement, you know? Because maybe they're Trey Smith's replacement. Maybe they're Joe Tooney's replacement. We don't know. But we're going to take a guard this year. Guard is definitively going to be drafted. Third or fourth round this year. Maybe like, earlier. Yeah. And they're going to make sure that they're Wait, in a position. Are you guys both? Are this a, is this a, a rare Cody and Gold tandem guarantee? Oh, I think one of their first four picks in the three, four Agreed. picks in the it's draft be will a guard. be an interior offensive lineman. Yeah. It's a lock. I don't think this has ever happened in the history that you guys are both out of nowhere, by the way, we've never discussed this, but you guys are both sitting here guaranteeing one of the first uh -huh. four picks in the uh, Chiefs draft yeah. will be on an interior offensive yes. line. It's yeah. the least exciting guarantee you well, could possibly make, but yet here we are. You got to start small. Would you like us to appear on character concerns to discuss it? No, no. Absolutely Just not. Offering you some so content. You guys, only no. talk, you guys only talk about wide receivers and quarterbacks on only skill positions. No, we talk about things that matter generally. Yeah. Oh, you, Just, don't, you don't think the interior of the offensive line matters at all? Hmm. 
I mean, no, if, that's just no. the sexy position. Too that's sexy. it. You're yeah. too cool to be talking about offensive Nick's linemen. Nick's just sex crazed over there. That's just all talking it is. about, just <laughs> talking about 175 pound Jalen Hyde. Like, oh look, he's so fast. I'd, that's it. That's all you want to talk about. No, I talk about the important the, the important positions. I talk about, uh, you know. Tackle yes. spots. I talk about uh, edge rushers. You that thought you're only discussing the sexy positions in the draft. It's weird. Last yeah. year, you spent a great deal of time talking about punters coming out of college, and now yeah. now we can't even talk about well, interior offensive linemen. What's changed? You've changed, man. No, you've changed. I haven't changed at all. Those are the those are the positions of need. I talk about the positions of need for the Chiefs. Well, they have to think about the future. Maybe you don't, no. but they do. Like they drafted no, Brian they're, Cook. They're they, they drafted Brian Cook last year, a yeah. safety. Probably looking ahead to this offseason where there's a very good chance Juan Thornhill's not back. They drafted yeah. Isaiah Pacheco. Clyde Edwards-Alaire might not be back. They always do this. This is a pretty consistent theme. They took McCall Hardman when they thought Tyreek Hill might not be back. Now, I think they took McCall Hardman more because they thought Tyreek Hill might not be there right then. He might not be available, period, yeah. Yeah, but they're always looking – like, looking a year ahead is a pretty consistent business model for super successful franchises. Even the ones that like make the mistake and do it with quarterback like Jordan Love. And it turns out it's worked out pretty well for the Chiefs. Uh, their current drafting strategy seems to be pretty strong right now. You mm-hmm. know, 20 of 22 mm-hmm. picks. So I don't think it's crazy to be like, hey, Brett Veach might be looking to replace players a year from now as part of his draft strategy. Especially because when you hit on 20 of 22 of your last picks as far as a they-play-for-you department, you can think even further in the future because all of the guys you've drafted in the last two years are playing for you which means you don't need quite as many guys on the field at this exact moment to be drafted and immediately start. Like, how many immediate starters do the Chiefs need in the draft this year? Well, it's not wide receiver. It depends Hold on. on what they do at left let's say, Let's say Juju comes back. <laughs> let's say Juju comes back and, and Orlando Brown doesn't. So no okay. wide receiver, no running back, no lineman, except for left tackle. So just one spot. The other four would eh, maybe, but we think that they would pay a right tackle. I don't think they're going to go into the year without both from a draft I perspective. Hope, I would hope not. Yeah. Okay. So no safeties. They just drafted Brian Cook. Uh, no corners. They have four. Uh, no linebackers. They have both. So they need zero starters. They need one left tackle. Uh, an edge rusher. If, you, if Frank's not back. Okay. I mean, edge rusher. It is Karloftis. Yeah, so probably another edge rusher. I would okay. say. Yeah. So two. Like normal drafts are replacing more than two starters. You're looking for a guard and an edge guy and a linebacker or a safety or a corner. Like, you're looking for more. Like, last year, they found a starter in Karloftis and in McDuffie, both of which they needed at the time. They ended up getting other guys who started. And Pacheco ended up being their starter. Like, like drafts more often than not have more starters than that. This year, they're not as desperate for that because of how good of a job they've done. We'll get back into the Chiefs in 15 minutes. Chiefs red half hour. But uh, tonight, Big 12 tournament gets started. And all our tournament coverage on 610 Sports Radio brought to you by Twin Peaks. Eats, drinks, scenic views. Three area locations. Find your favorite lodge at TwinPeaksRestaurant.com. Uh, usually, the Wednesday night uh, is viewed as kind of like the crappy games. But because it's the Big 12 this year, not so much. I'm, like, I'm into it. You You're going to go tonight? Two games. I, so we were talking about ticket prices earlier. I mean, I, I know it's rainy and stuff. You got to deal with parking down there still and pay for that. But right now you can get tickets for five bucks. Five bucks. You can get really good seats for like 50 bucks. It's Oklahoma and West, or excuse me, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, the late game tonight. The early game that starts at six. State rivalry. Is uh, Texas Tech in West Virginia. West Virginia is like a one-point favorite, uh, and then Oklahoma State's like, uh, excuse me, West Virginia is like a three-point favorite, and Oklahoma State's a one-point favorite, something like that. Uh, th- this evening, I thought about it. I don't know if I'm ultimately going to do it, but tomorrow is going to be, of course, the big day because you got KU and K State in action tomorrow. The Big 12 tournament. Right now, the updated odds over at FanDuel: KU the favorite to win the Big 12 tournament, plus 240. Texas three to one. Baylor plus 430. 
TCU five to one, K State plus eight fifty. Really good value. value. K State eight fifty uh, to Is win. Is that because they're the playing big... TCU in the first round? Is that why they feel? I'm bad guessing about it? it's the way the bracket shook out. Yeah, I mean Texas in some places opened up as the favorite to win the Big Twelve tournament. We, we've discussed the the implications here for you know KU and K State. We're talking about seeding for KU playing for number one overall seed for K State. If you get to a Big 12 title game or, or, or you two win seed? the Big 12, then yeah, then you're talking about maybe moving up and, and securing a, a a two seed. I think the Big 12 tournament, it sounds cliche based on like everybody's like, oh, this is going to be a crazy tournament this year. The Big 12 tournament is wide freaking open, though, over the next three-plus days in Kansas City. You would, If I told you KU, any of these top teams, like, if KU won, you'd be like, well, okay, yeah. Yep. Uh, Texas won, sure. Uh, yep. Baylor, yeah. Uh, Baylor would surprise me a little bit more because I don't know if their defense can be consistent for three days. but. Yeah, TCU even like I'll stop it after that. Like, I don't think Iowa state is going to go win the big 12 tournament, but KU Texas to me, KU Texas, TCU, K state would be the teams that I think could actually win. The big I might 12 extend tournament. it to Iowa state. You do realize over the last decade, there's really only been two teams that win the big 12 tournament. It is KU and Iowa state. Iowa state won this past That's weekend, it. but they just, they won this weekend despite kicking off a kid on the team that had their third leading score in this past week. Yeah, it feels like that's going to make it a bit of a stretch for the Big 12 tournament. But if you've watched this conference at any point this year, look at what the, like normally Kansas or some of these other top-ranked Big 12 teams kind of get it like a free pass to the final four of this, right? That, that Like you're going to be one of the final four teams. You're going to be in the semifinals, and we'll kind of see where it goes. But the quarterfinals on Thursday, Baylor and Iowa State, so no gimmies. Texas is going to have to take on either Oklahoma State or Oklahoma. And if it's Oklahoma State, that's definitely a team that can beat Texas. K-State and TCU. Oklahoma State's been struggling the last month month or so of the season. But it's just like in the Big 12, it just feels like they'll sneak up and get you. The more interesting one will be Friday. Friday is almost guaranteed to be two heavyweight fights. Honestly, Whoever wins this Big 12 tournament should get bumped up a couple on the seed line. I understand Kansas is going to be a one no matter what, but that would mean to me they win the Big 12, they're going to be the number one overall seed, and there's pretty much no question about that. But if you're K-State and right now you're sitting about a three, you should definitely be a two seed if you win this thing. Same for Texas. If you're a two, you should be, you know, like you should get the benefit of winning the conference tournament for the toughest conference in this because this is going to be pretty indicative of what you're getting ready to face in the NCAA tournament. Once you reach the Sweet 16, because every game, as we know, like once you reach the Sweet 16, you're pretty much taken on big boys. Like there's no more sure. like, for the most part, a lot of those teams have weeded themselves out. Occasionally one sneaks through and you're taken on some. You feel like there's much seeded. buzz around it. I mean, like the Big, the big 12, everybody's acknowledging is the best conference in college basketball, but buzz around the Big 12 tournament this week. Or will that, will we not feel that if we do feel it at all uh, till tomorrow when both KU and K-State are in action? I think that's it. Uh, it sucks that the weather is going to be crappy. Otherwise, we know when it's great weather. PNL, when you've got the different college fan bases down there, is awesome. Or like after some of those games on Thursday, it's it's electric. Unfortunately, it's going to rain today and tomorrow, and I think Friday maybe it won't be rainy. So maybe that helps for the semifinal games. But I just wonder. I mean, we the the, the Big Twelve tournament. Maybe it takes this this type of season to kind of get some of that back because it's still not to me what what it was back in two thousand and you know twelve, two thousand and thirteen, two thousand and fourteen. It's, it's not the same feeling. Well, the problem is is that K-State can't face Kansas unless they play in the Big 12 championship Yeah, but that would game. be incredible on Saturday. Of course it <laughs> that would That would be. be incredible Saturday. But, you know, there's been plenty of times that on that Wednesday, we're talking about K-State taking on the 7-10 matchup. That's no juice at all. The fact that both of these teams are going to be playing on Thursday in important games, games against teams they've both wo- beaten and lost to this year. Nope. Like, I mean, yep. Kansas, you would think that they're beating West Virginia or Texas Tech. 
Like, that feels like a very obvious Rather play Texas Tech than West Virginia. But then they're going to take on the winner of Baylor and Iowa State. I mean, we've seen these over and over again. I I don't think it's there yet, but I feel with the Big 12 tournament, it always takes until the day of. It's always until you're down there on Thursday, the locals are playing, you're going in for all four, you're going in and out, and all the – like, I never feel like there's much going on Monday or Tuesday and we're, like, psyching ourselves up for it. But Wednesday maybe kicks up a little bit. But Wednesday, it is the four least – Travel teams maybe in the Big Twelve. Yeah, like all the teams that bring people to this stuff are playing tomorrow. Yeah, Okie State usually would travel a little bit, but yes, they haven't had a great season. I I don't know. We'll see. I might talk. It might be four thirty, and all of a sudden I'm like, eh, I'm gonna go down there. We'll we'll see. I mean, tickets are are dirt cheap. You get for, for five game. now. You could probably be sitting courtside for like forty bucks <laughs> if you wait until the night. Well, if you wait till the first game starts too, that's the other. You know, because you you can obviously show up at any time. How about Missouri though? SEC tournament. They got the double buy. Uh, Alabama the favorite to win the. SEC tournament plus one fifty five, and then Tennessee plus three eighty, Kentucky four four to one, Missouri thirty to one to win the SEC tournament. Uh, as you can see, I mean the, the schools that they have to go through on their path to get there. Yeah, um, they can really improve their seating if they were to somehow go on a magical run through the through the SEC tournament. I just don't. I mean, it's nothing again. It's just like I don't see how their path is going to make that plausible. They're the four seed. Their opponent, of they course. got a double buy that goes a long way. I mean, because the SEC's got so many schools, at least you're getting to take, you know, because you're the fourth seed, at least you don't have to take on anybody until likely Tennessee gets to that following round, and then you got to take them. Sorry, beat Tennessee a couple they weeks did? ago, and now, and now Tennessee's without one of their best players, unfortunately. So, if you've beaten the team earlier and they're without one of their best players, then you are one win away from the semifinals of the SEC tournament. And if you get that far, then a lot of things are plausible. I just it feels like it would have to be one of those runs. Missouri could take themselves up to, what, a six? They win the entire SEC tournament. I mean, I would think they could be a six seed. Six. Yeah, I don't know if they can get to the five. I don't think they can get to the five line. That that doesn't seem plausible. They just got to stay out of the eight, nine game. That's honestly the goal. of the like, if you Stay off of the eight, Be in the seven, ten line so that you can have yourself you, a chance. Either lose quick and get to the <laughs> ten line or. I mean, seriously, you don't, you just don't want that eight, nine game because then you're stuck playing. Right now, the number one, you'd be playing either Alabama uh, a KU, a UCLA, or a Houston in your you second game. Yeah, you, you don't want it. If you're wondering the latest Joe Lenardi bracketology, has Missouri as an eight seed still playing Memphis up in Des Moines in the same area as KU. I just And that's just like wishful thinking. Anybody who's doing these bracketology things wants to put and, Missouri on um, the same side so that we can see. And look, I would enjoy a Missouri-Kansas NCAA tournament game. Incredible. Of course I want that. Uh, K-State right now, according to Lenardi, three seed, they would be – uh, in that three fourteen game in Denver, that's where they have them, and then that would set up like a game against. In this case, that'd be six great seed. for people from to drive from Manhattan. Six seed, yeah, not bad at all. Six seed St. Mary's would be on the other side of the uh, of the potential second round game for K State, but all that stuff. I can't wait. Selection Sunday is one of my favorite days of the year. Big Twelve tournament, SEC tournament, midday college basketball. Right now, there's college basketball on. We got it on uh, one of the maybe Jim Beheim should be Jim Beheim's final freaking game. I don't know how Syracuse doesn't get rid of him at the end of the season. Syrac- he's still coaching. He's terrible. They're terrible. Syracuse is playing in an 8-9 game in the ACC tournament right now. Is he just a really good example of the, uh, if you make no changes about the way you coach basketball or the way it's changing, or any sport, like if you just don't change the way you're coaching a sport, even though the sport is changing, you eventually will become a dinosaur. That's what Jim No, that's not a good example. Jim Beheim's been there for 50 years. He actually is a dinosaur. <laughs> not because he didn't change his ways in basketball. He's, He's just been, an actual dinosaur? Syracuse has been competitive for 50 years. They're also years. just not any good. This year. I mean, they're, they're 17 and 14, 
and they're just they're brutal watch. And then some of the comments Bayheim's made, he's you know at least I'll give you know Roy Williams. Some of these other guys I'll give credit. They realize you know what I don't like this nil stuff. I don't like transfer portal. I'm just going to retire. I'm going to dip. Instead, he's like, I'm not going to retire. I'm just going to bitch and moan all the time about it. And that's what Jim Bayheim is. Classic old man stuff. Right, right at the top. Ageism. And and, and Cody, before you <laughs> oh, even wow. do it, before you go. even do it, because I know what kind of mood <laughs> you're in today, uh, don't dare, don't you dare make fun of Jim Beheim for peeing his pants because he has a medical condition. So it's not Wait, cool to make fun of him. Did he pee his pants? Yes, he's done it multiple times. This he's done, year? No, I don't know if he's done it this year, but he's done it multiple times. I know you're not on making fun of him after what happened with you Saturday night. <laughs> yeah, no, you, you exactly. Be really so do not. Make jokes yeah. about Jim Beheim peeing his pants because it's not funny. It's not funny. Yeah, Cody, hmm. stay away from Cody. That. Hmm. Our tournament coverage on 610 brought to you by Twin Peaks. Eat, drink, scenic views. Three area locations. Find your favorite lodge at TwinPeaksRestaurant.com. Up next, we get right back into the Chiefs. Chiefs red half hour. And the expectations, if you believe some of the reports, are already very high for one Chiefs wide receiver next year. Chiefs Kingdom, this is Mitch Holtis, and welcome in to the Chiefs Red Half Hour on Cody and Gold, every day at 1130 on your official broadcast partner, the Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. Oh, yeah, it is the Chiefs Red Half Hour. Alex Gold, Cody Tapp, Nick Schwert with you. Text line very active about our comments on Jim Beheim watching some college basketball. He's on right now. Do you see any penis pants? Well, excuse me? Well, he's the Syracuse game is on right now. Do excuse you, me? Has he peed his pants yet? I thought you said something else. Do you I, see any I, pee in I, his pants? I, I don't know what you heard, well, but you that said, was... If Nick, were to go, <laughs> if Nick were to go back and play, I think you said it so fast, it said, do you see any penis pants? I think is what you said. <laughs> I don't think that's that's not what I heard. I heard pee in his pants. I heard, I, I heard it was also you know, relevant to the conversation we just had versus the mm-hmm. other one. I think gold just often has mm-hmm. oh, yeah. penis on the mind. <laughs> that's exactly what it is. Yep, you got me. You got At 11.30 on a Wednesday? Whew. Easy, pal. <laughs> Make it to noon. Oh, noon's okay for you? That's when you, that's when you, start, that's when, that's when you start doing I'll that? I wait till the show's over, you know? See, text line's saying exactly what I just said. Uh, you're going to have to go back and pull it, Nick, because I'm not the <laughs> Because only. one person yeah, on the text I, line? I, I, someone else said they thought you said penis hands. I'm just saying it was, you said it very quickly, and it was not pee in his pants is all I'm saying. I heard it the way heard, he said it. Yeah, I, yeah, heard, I heard it the way, way he intended it. it. Three separate people. Three separate people. Anyway, you're going to have to go pull it if you want. Um, if not, it's not that big of a deal. But Okay. We can. Six ten invest launch a Cody and Gold launch a Cody and Gold investigation into what it is I said about Jim Beheim and his pants. <laughs> yeah, let's talk some Chiefs football though. Uh, James Palmer of NFL Network. Uh, he sent out a tweet that I think tells us at least what the Chiefs are expecting and also want people to hear uh, about how they view the the core group next year. James Palmer sent out a tweet said. The thought in KC right now is Mahomes is expected to be throwing the same core group of guys. He listed off Kelsey, obviously. Then he said Tony, with parentheses, who the Chiefs believe will be wide receiver one in 2023. Then he lists his MVS. Plan is to bring Juju back and then Sky Moore. Most of that is expected. But he's saying that the, the thought in KC is that Kadarius Tony will be wide receiver number one in 2023. My initial reaction is, well, not only do they love the kid that they traded for, but also, is he magically just going to have this healing power given to him yeah, this offseason where he's able to play in 14, 15, 16? I mean, that's what's crazy. I'm not even asking for 17. I'm like, can he play in 14 games? 
Because I would lock in like 12 or 13. I'd almost sign up for right now when it comes to Kadarius Tony, based on his prior availability. I think the talent is there. I don't, I, I don't question that. I really don't. But availability is also how you have to factor in when we're discussing whether or not someone's actually a number one wide receiver for your football team. And I would say that that's always just generally concerning because, I mean, why would you at some point expect him to play at this stage considering that? I was trying to go through goal because I was like, all right, maybe, maybe I'm being too hard. Maybe wide receivers do take that kind of jump. Because to me, saying he's going to be a number one wide receiver requires you to think that Kadarius Tony is capable of 900 to 1,000 yards this season, which not only requires you to think he's going to be healthy, that would be step one of that conversation, but that he can take that big of a leap from a production standpoint from year one to year two. So in going through some of the guys who've taken some of the bigger leaps during that time, like, you know, Chris Godwin was a 300-yard receiver and then an 800-yard receiver, which obviously Tony's never been, but he's never really been healthy, to a 1,300-yard receiver. Cooper Cup was like an 800-yard receiver, then a 500-yard receiver, then all of a sudden was a 1,000-yard guy pretty much every year after that. I think the better example is Tyler Boyd, who was a 600-yard receiver his rookie season, was hurt, oft injured, finished with less than 300 yards in second year, and then by year three was a 1,000-yard guy. So there are examples. Full year of Patrick Mahomes. Now, again, we don't know how healthy he's going to be. Full year of Patrick Mahomes, full offseason of learning this. He goes trade. Let's not forget, he was traded midseason. So if you're going to say, well, he didn't have that many snaps. Well, yeah, we didn't. We he, he did more than we even thought he was going to do when they traded him. Yeah, but he got him. hurt and he was barely playing anyway. So, but he was hurt goes, when he got it, to Kansas City. It goes back to the injury stuff. That, to me, is the bigger concern. I, if you could tell me and guarantee me that he's playing X amount of games, I think in a full offseason with Andy Reid, and if they know he's that guy, uh, which they, they clearly believe he can be, then I think he will get every opportunity to do that, and I think the skill set fits that. I hope Juju Smith-Schuster's back, though, so then he's not the number one. How about he's my number two wide receiver? Huh? How about that, Cody? That's a lot better. Juju's my one. Kelsey's my one as well, essentially, because he's a tight end but wide receiver. And then you're asking Kadarius Tony to be my actual number two, and that means we're, we're discussing Kadarius Tony being an 800 to 1,000-yard guy maybe for this football team, and he really only needs to be a 700 guy if that's the case. I, I mean, that would be a massive leap. Like, if he, I mean, if he went to 900 yards, we do, re, like, everyone, okay, so whether you think it's going to happen or not, can we agree that that would be a massive leap if he's a 900-yard receiver sure. this year? Yeah. He's never been more than a 400-yard receiver. He only had 171 yards for this team last year, albeit in limited time, in just seven games, and he was traded midseason and all those things that go with it. But, I mean, I to me, I don't have to envision a world where Kadarius Tony takes a huge leap forward and the offense doesn't move forward because – if just very simply, if Juju Smith-Schuster comes back of the 5,000 yards Patrick Mahomes threw for this last year, let's say he throws for the exact same amount of yardage, I'm only looking to have to replace 800 to 900 yards. Okay, well, I'm going to assume that half of that, 400 of that, is immediately coming from some running back, even if it's not Jarek McKinnon. Because they'll throw to the backs a certain amount. That's just the way the offense structures. Every year there's a 300, 400-yard receiver for the Chiefs. Not always Jarek McKinnon. Somebody will do the job. Maybe the touchdowns are an issue, but the yardage is covered. So I've only got 500 yards. So there's really actually, if they bring back Juju Smith-Schuster, only room, and let's say they draft a tight end or draft another wide receiver, there's only room for either Tony or Sky Moore to take a good leap. That's it. Yeah, well, this is why and there's a decent chance to likely. me they're both like 500-yard receivers. Yeah, this is why it's also tricky to, to come up with the yardage for 
for Skymore. Also, we, we're just using 5,000, I know, just because it's a simple round number. But Mahomes threw for 5,250 yards last year. Yeah, but, I, I, <laughs> like, but of those you know, 900 or so are possibly departing if Juju doesn't come back. Well, if Juju doesn't come back, then there's then plenty it's like of two thousand yards. There's yeah, plenty of opportunity if they now. As far as feeling comfortable, I mean, I, I, to me, you want Juju back, though. I mean, you you have Kelsey, Juju, Sky. Uh, excuse me, Kelsey, Juju, Tony's your two, MVS is your three, and Sky Moore is my four, but really my fifth or sixth option. I I, I can work with that. Yeah. I can work with that, and then you have a Justin Watson type as your fifth receiver that can work in. Injuries are going to happen, <laughs> maybe to Tony or others during. Look, I mean. If you look at the wide receiver room last year, Juju missed multiple games. Kadarius Tony missed multiple games. And wasn't here for the other half of the season. They obviously didn't have McCall for a huge MBS chunk of it. was the only wide receiver really that was healthy all year for Kansas City this this past season. Yeah. Right? Am I missing Well, anything? Kelsey, unless you're counting him. He's not a wide yeah. receiver. But I mean, just in this from a receiver yarding yeah. standpoint, um, like, and we've always made the argument on this show that he should essentially be considered that sure. way. Because that's the way I was trying to think about it and the way their offense is going to be moving forward. Because if they actually do believe this, and I think some of this might honestly be them trying to, I think some of this is a little bit of the, like, telling Juju, because teams do this all the time. You leak a little bit of information as an effort to be like, hey, just to be clear, we are comfortable with Juju Smith-Schuster not being here in case you're thinking some you, number you would we're agree, not though, thinking. Such a different type of receiver between the two. They're not even close. Oh, yeah. Juju Smith-Schuster, more of a possession receiver. He can still get yards after the catch. He's also a blocking wide receiver. Kadarius Tony is all about explosiveness. And I still, other than when Tyree Kill obviously was in Kansas City, but in terms of the small glimpse we saw from Tony, his ability to shiftiness and make cuts, it's like yeah. it's ridiculous, honestly. Like, it's absolutely you, absurd. If you're going to be a top-five offense in the NFL, though, and Juju doesn't come back, then you are required. So I was looking up the top five offenses in the NFL last year. They pretty much all have two major receiving weapons. One guy who's at least a thousand yard guy. Some, some have two. One that is at least like a 1300 yard guy. And one who's at least an 800 yard guy, right? Even in the case of like Buffalo, their second leading receiver is Gabe Davis at 836. Stefan Diggs had almost 1500 yards receiving. All right. So they got the one. All you really need for this thing to ever function is the guy like Juju. It's like eight, 900 yards. If you're telling me Tony can be healthy and do that, then I feel a way less scared about the impending absence if Juju Smith-Schuster weren't to come back to Kansas City. But then it bumps up wide receiver in the draft class stuff. But then again, if they take Juju, then maybe they're not really – if they bring Juju back, maybe they're not even looking for a wide receiver in the draft because when would you ever throw to them? Like right now, when would you ever throw to them? Like if they're all back, we already talked about it. It was crowded last year. It was crowded, and McCole – barely played for a big chunk of the season. What would they have done if they'd had one more mouth to feed in that scenario? Whose numbers go down? Like, is it Kelsey's and all these things? And you've talked about wanting to protect Kelsey, which means you kind of do want to target. If that's the case, other wide receivers in this offense. I just feel like Tony is a one feels like it would take like, there's also that's one of those, like the Royals are going to win 81 games this year. It takes everything going right for Tony to be a thousand yard and 900 yards. It takes everything going right. It requires 15 plus games. It requires him at least playing 15-plus games. And, and taking a leap talent-wise from a production standpoint. Yeah, taking taking a taking a production standpoint. I think the talent's there. It's it's, it's taking yeah. it's, it's just the production. Taking that talent and turning it into production. Yeah. I mean, there's also, if we're really nitpicking, I don't know if Justin Watson's back next year. There's 315 yards right there from Justin Watson. Somebody, I mean, that's going to some. That's yeah, going I guess in man. my mind, that's just like someone else. <laughs> just if, some other. Just, yeah, that's how fair. crowded it is. That I could mean, be that could be Sky. Like there's 150 yeah. more for Sky and 150 more for Tony Wright. Let's sure. just say right, you know, potentially right there. If I were to tell now, this depends on if if Juju's back. Let me give you two numbers. Juju's back with the Chiefs. 
I set the over under at five seventy five for Kadarius Tony. What what are you what are you saying? Juju's back. And I set the under. If, really, even at five seventy five. If Juju's not back, and I set the number at over under seven hundred for Tony, you taking the under? Under. Okay. Well, like the problem is, is that I he's never had more than four hundred twenty yards. Now he's barely been in the NFL. So yes. like I, I'm just I'm taking a leap of faith. I'm taking a guess that the Chiefs are going to know how to better utilize him than anyone else. But I'm also, if you're making me take the over-under, I'm having to guess if he's healthy. And if you're making me guess that right now, the answer is no, because he hasn't shown that. And it's like until, like sometimes in the NFL, it's not that you don't think that someone can't take a leap. We've talked about this. I understand that leaps happen all the time. People improve their standpoint. But I'm looking, like in that case, I got to take a blind faith that he's healthy for the first time and gets a 40%, like, well, of like an 80% production increase from what he had last year, but like a 30% production increase on his best year. And now he only played 10 games in that year. So it, it's more than plausible, but yeah. I'd have to take the under right now just the, with all the unknowns. It's the injury stuff for me. Is where yeah, my that's the biggest hang, problem. The biggest sure. hang-up is the injury stuff for me. Thinking of taking jumps in, in year two, someone else that I, I think is going to have that opportunity based off of we, we discussed drafting ahead of time. When they drafted Brian Cook, a safety last year, and he ended up playing at times – more than we thought this year. But it was probably with the idea that Juan Thornhill's contract's going to be up the next year, which is now now. And I don't I don't think Juan Thornhill's back with this football team. And I think based on what Brian Cook showed this year, you should feel pretty good that you can go ahead and move in a different direction and not have to give another veteran safety deal. That's my thing is I don't want to have two safeties and very rarely ever with the way this team is structured. I don't want two safeties on middle road, if not above average yeah, contracts. you don't want too expensive safeties you know, like if Justin, you're the Justin Reed's already making what he's making. Okay, no problem with that. Well, then my other safety, I really don't want to be giving that guy, even if it's on average $4 million less per year uh, than Justin Reed's making. And I don't know what kind of contract Juan Thornhill can get on the open market, but I think it's going to be a higher, higher dollar amount than what the Chiefs should be paying. So, okay, Brian Cook, year two, more opportunity for you. Let's go. Is he the most likely guy to take the biggest leap? Because Isaiah Pacheco was already like a 900 yard. So if he were going to take like a big leap, you'd think he's a... 1400 yard all purpose back. Um, I mean, that would be a pretty I mean, depending on how to me, I think the answer might still be McDuffie. McDuffie's interesting. It, 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 you could say Karloff's view, think he actually is capable of being a 10, double 11 sack, digit guy. sack guy. Then the answer, if he, cause but six, six, six and a half sacks to 10 is a big leap in the NFL. That's be, a bit. That is a big leap. Come on. Let's look at it from those four guys. Cause I, I think that's maybe the only answer in this conversation. It's not that you can't make a Watson or Williams argument, but I, I think the four biggest names, if you're ranking them out are those. For Cook, it would have to be he's an everyday starter. He gets a few picks a game. And because, like, a big leap for him is just he plays all the time. And he was playing more and more as the season went on. It's not a stretch from there. Pacheco, I pointed out that it's the yardage. For Karloftis, it's double-digit sacks. With McDuffie, it's always hard to quantify because, to me, he would be taking a big leap by playing the entire season because he had to miss a certain amount of time and being the corner that everyone avoids on the Chiefs going in there. And I... I think he has the talent. We talked about this with Tony. I think McDuffie has the talent, and he can definitely show that. that the McDuffie leap is going to be easier than the other three guys we just discussed because I've seen him. Well, he's just a more talented player. I've seen him in those moments perform that way. Yeah, I mean, Trey McDuffie, they traded up for a reason. <laughs> they, they traded. Let's never forget that. They traded up to pick 21. He's just undersized, to, or he would have gone higher. Yeah, and he, as we, we had him on during camp. He's like, the whole undersized thing, he'd been dealing, that with, that, dealing with that his entire life. He dealt with that at Washington. As well. I was worried about and it. And I'm not like injury stuff. To me, that was a fluky thing. We clearly know the turf is a massive problem in Arizona uh, at that stadium, even with the new turf and the old turf from week one. 
and got your kicker hurt as well. So I am not worried. Like, I don't think well, he's, they got to not worried about start the from scratch stuff. in Arizona on the field, don't they? And off, yeah, I mean, literally on the field with their players and the field itself. Yes, they, there's a lot. <laughs> Arizona's a mess. And they yeah. got a new GM and yeah. a new coach. Yeah, they are starting from. Oh, scratch. they just 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 right from the beginning. I still like that George Toma threw him under the bus. Overwatering, man. Overwatering. I just wonder, like, for all these players, because that's the thing. We all know that, like, all four of those guys aren't taking a step forward. Somebody's staying the same. Somebody's getting, like, in, in, a, in, in a good scenario, two guys are getting better, one guy's staying the same, and one guy gets worse. Because then you're like, all right, screw it, I'll take the odds. Like, Brian Cook got a little worse. Oh, no, but Karloftis and McDuffie are better players, and so is Isaiah Pacheco. Awesome. Or if Isaiah Pacheco's the same player, I still think no one's really going to complain. But I, I think McDuffie uh, is probably, from a talent perspective, easier of taking that leap but i think it's going to be brian cook who actually makes it i still think the answer is the same we posed the question during camp last year like who needs to have the bigger rookie season and we were like carl loftus is i think was most of our answers who if you could only pick one guy to have the the big jump carl loftus again because it's sure. positional value edge rusher i'm going to lose frank clark and carlos dunlap i still have chris jones we don't have two 10 sack guys and, yeah, play. yeah yes, I mean, it's not even close um if mcduffie's just the same player he was once he came back but carl loftus adds four sacks to his total. Are you kidding me? Hell yeah. I mean, that's, that's the leap that I'm signing up for. If I could pick and choose the best case scenario. Yeah. That's Even if it meant Pacheco was 5% slightly worse. worse, you know, 10% worse. Well, I 5% worth worse it. over the course of a full-time starting season. He's still be a thousand. That's what I'm saying. Back. That's what I'm I mean, saying. You can be do, that big a deal. You can do that. And let's be honest. If all of a sudden, for whatever reason, this won't be the case, but if he just doesn't have it next year, you got other running backs. You got, you know, you're, it's not, it's not a death sentence to you. It's whereas easy to say Karloft, that. Moment. Whereas Carl Loftus, if he were to take a massive step back and only yeah. had like two sacks, and then you're like, year, where are you getting like, all these sacks from? Yeah. And that's a long term, a much bigger long term problem, too, versus if the running back just dips down to a 700 yard back. If the running back's no good. You just oh, draft a different thinking one. Of again? Replacements. Why do you keep saying again as if. Two in a show, man. It's confused. Because well, we don't know when they're coming, man. It's a siren. It's it's kind of startles you. A but isn't bit. that the point of the siren? It's supposed to startle you. It's, it's supposed point. to light a fire under your ass. All right, I'm ready. What do you got for us? I have got a mock draft courtesy of Pro Football Focus. Can you guys remind me? Are we we still hate Pro Football Focus, or do we like uh, them? Are they back? Fifty fifty depends okay. on the day. They did a they did a live mock draft with two of their draft experts, Sam Munson. And uh, Mike Renner, these names don't matter. I don't know why I'm sharing them with you. At 31st overall, they have the Chiefs selecting. This name may be familiar to a lot of our listeners. Oh, oh. Edge rusher out of Kansas State, <laughs> Felix and Yudike Uzama. That was a very good pronunciation, by the way. Well, Did you practice Heisman. that? No, I'm a Heisman voter, so. Did you vote for him for the Heisman? No, but I. But you you watch every player, you monitor players, you watch the tape, you scrub the tape, and you fill and you watch the film, and you scrub the film as well. Those are the same things. <laughs> he is. Uh, he's six three. He's two hundred and fifty five pounds. He's actually pretty young for this class, which I know we don't really talk a lot about, but that does matter for these guys when you're talking about at what age will they hit their prime, at what age will they hit free agency. He's only twenty one years old. He's a little undersized for like that typical edge rusher that you you see with. Um, Steve Spagnuolo, but he's not like Nolan Smith, right? He's not this little guy. He's 6'3", 255, so it'd be an intriguing prospect, and I know a lot of Chiefs fans would be happy because uh, they're used to watching well, him play in Manhattan. You're, you're the host of Character Concerns, so you can tell me if I'm wrong. Yeah. What, wasn't he the guy, though, there was some question, he chose not to do quite a few drills of the combine, yeah. and yeah. once he started to see some of these freaky numbers from edge rushers... <laughs> he was like, I'm good. Yeah, yeah, well, I mean, when you see Nolan That's, Smith... That kind of and... scares me a little bit, though. I don't, kinda, I don't really like that. Yeah, but, I mean, it didn't hurt, like... 
Uh, Dalton Kincaid, the tight end out of Utah, he's expected to be a top 20 pick. Look at all the tight ends who were putting up freakish numbers. Kincaid had a back problem this week. That's why he didn't. But he didn't, but he didn't do a lot of that stuff, and his draft stock didn't suffer whatsoever. Bryce Young didn't do any of the throwing drills. I, I try not to hold that against guys. These are business decisions. They're trying to maximize their window, so... I'm trying not to use okay. that against him okay. too much. Fair enough. I mean, I would be doing the same thing, obviously, if I was worried that I just watched some guy run like a four-two forty and like jump seven feet. I'd be like, I don't think I want to. Yeah, run you today. do watch Anthony Richardson run around. If you're Bryce Young, you're like, what am I going to do to help my stock by going out there and running? Because it's not going to look like it does with him. Like, I'm just going to have to hope that they like college tape in which I look <laughs> good. Because yeah, yeah, exactly. And and Uzama's tape is really good. It's really good. So eight and a half sacks last year, 11 tackles for loss. Sign me up. I like edge rusher in general. Honestly, edge rusher in general, as long as you're not reaching on a guy that just has no business being selected in the first round, if you are prioritizing that at pick 31, I have no issue with it. Like a lot of this at this point is like, you're making me feel based on the way these mock drafts are hitting that there are... Four or five edge rushers I should be happy with at the end of the first round? Is it? I mean, is it that high of a number? I, I wouldn't be shocked to see six guys go in the first round. And Will Anderson, I mean, Dante Will Anderson, Fowler Tyree Jr. Wilson. The, the comp, by the way. Dante Fowler Jr.? That's your comp? Your personal no, comp? No, that's the comp. On I want your, from sides. now on, I want your personal comp. Dante Fowler Jr., yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Gold also scrubs the tape, but current NFL players. That way he can most closely compare them to them. You never give us a head up. How we, you know, heads up when the mock draft yeah, is coming. That, we don't fa- know when it's coming. In, in fairness, we don't know what's coming in some of the play. So there's a lot of times where the, the player itself, it's not like we. we We're not all Heisman have, voters like I don't, you. I don't have a, a binder just where I'm. Let me just open up this page for Felix and just give you, a, in fairness, that's not something we have. Does Jay Binkley make a draft guide that I could? Yeah, I could use a draft guide. Oh. does a mock draft, guys. Yep. When? I haven't seen it yet, though. A Friday. We've I already heard on it. Friday, and I think. I think we should get him on this show on Thursday. I, I think we should steal him. He's supposed to go on Fesco right. in the morning on Friday. I you think can't we... even get your podcast host hold on. on our show. Hold on, hold on. Oh. Guest stealing has been made publicly acceptable at this station. That's true. Not uh, by that show, but. No, but it's happened on the station, yeah, so the precedent is set. True. So now that the precedent is set. We're allowed to do it. We should still Jay Binkley, have him on tomorrow, and make him release his mock draft tomorrow. Well, we're instead. already beefing with the afternoon show. Do we want to start a beef with the morning show? We don't have issues oh, with them We were right beefing now. with them for a while, as you we might were. recall, when they were saying bad we things were. about Nick, and they were talking about how he likes to start fights and burn cigarettes out on people. He's saying all kinds of bad things about you. Yeah, but those are true. We could just things. reignite that beef. But we have to stand behind but, our guy. But we let that beef kind of die, you know? Maybe it could come back. Not hard to bring beef back. You just... just... Just bring it back, you know? Okay. Not so you're hard saying, to bring beef back. You're saying if you we steal a guest, we're only going to no. steal it from the the other show? We're only going to steal it from the afternoons? Well, they're the only ones who have stolen guests from us. Oh, we only wrong those who have wronged us is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Kind of how it works. That's not how it worked when they stole from us. We didn't wrong anybody. Hmm. Two wrongs don't make a right. You, know, you got to think about it that way sometimes, Nick. I think we are should. Are you going to teach them. the kids that when you are babysitting on the field trip? You're going to teach them that that it's okay to do that. Baby, they're called babysitting when you're watching first graders. And by the way, as somebody on the text line, I just saw this. I uh, said that I'm pronouncing it wrong. I'm going off the direct pronunciation guide from K State's website. So wow. take it up with them. Hmm. Wow. Uzama. That's that's how K State says it. Yeah. 
Okay. I mean, look, I'm, there's no way I'm fact checking at you on that. Sounds good to me, man. Thanks, guys. Actually, sounds perfect. Okay, I, my first cat in when I was a little kid. Was he named Uzama? Was named Felix. (laughs) Just store that away for later. Thanks, King Felix. Thank you. Mm. Uh, Coming up next, we'll get to what's trending in the Daniel Jones contract that was handed out, and it continues just to tell us this Patrick Mahomes contract might actually have to get reworked sooner rather than later. That's next.